What are the signs of a spiritual awakening? Go ahead, Google it. There's a lot out there. If you want to know what the signs of a spiritual awakening are, you're going to get a lot of answers. But who's do you trust? Who's got it right? What does it all mean? Well, we think we can help. First, these are all the signs that are listed on the first page of Google results when you search signs of a spiritual awakening. 104 individual signs listed on nine different websites. What are these 104 signs signs of? Most signs were related to heightened perception, then behavior changes, increased peace and transcendence, negative aspects and new desires were even, and last was general increased happiness. Each of the nine different lists of signs had a different distribution of category. And overall, in terms of prevalence, every website had signs related to behavior changes and heightened perception. All except one had signs related to having new desires. Seven out of the nine websites listed related to peace or transcendence, and in five out of the nine marked down signs related to negative aspects and general increased happiness. Okay, is that enough stats for you? The question is, why do spiritual awakenings in general consist of these specific categories? Some you could guess. You might imagine the new dawn of a spiritual awakening consisting of increased happiness, peace, and maybe new desires, but what about the others? Why do spiritual awakenings lead to behavior changes? All the lists say they do, and why have any negative aspects to them at all? Heightened perception, is that really necessary, and how do all these fit together? Well, it all clicks into place when you understand the levels of the mind and the nature of what happens when the spiritual mind opens and what exactly it gets opened to. And then what the fallout is of an open spiritual mind. It turns out it's not all sunshine and rose petals. The earthly level of your mind is a very different environment than the spiritual mind. Think of it like two different pressure systems colliding. There's gonna be thunder. But where are all these signs even leading? It's all part of us becoming the angel we were meant to be. The unique transmitter of divine love and wisdom we are born to become. A related question to all this is, are spiritual awakenings permanent? What if you had signs of peace and perception, but you don't anymore? Can you regress? We'll be digging into that on this week's News from Heaven. Angels have good days and bad days. And if you want to learn about the inner workings of a spiritual awakening, see our show, A Guide to Spiritual Awakening. But right now, let's look at the terrain of the spiritual journey we're all destined to go along so that you can not only recognize the signs, but understand why they are what they are and what ties them all together. The unifying factor of all spiritual awakenings. I'm going to go out on a limb and assert publicly that I have a mind. <laughs> and so do you. And there's a lot to know about the mind. Like, sure, we've, we, we have some idea of what it does. But did you check in your owner's manual? Uh, it's, I think it's page 78. There's actually this major component of the mind that we don't hear about a lot and we don't talk about, which is that there are two main levels of the mind. There's the earthly level, which is what we're mostly spending our time in. But then there's also an entire spiritual level to the mind. So if we're talking about spiritual awakenings, before we have one of those, or before we have our first one or whatever, the earthly mind is essentially steering everything. The, the, the lower kind of very worldly, simple, uh, material-based impulses and our sort of closed-in view of life, self-centered, all those things, that's what's driving us. And it has to be, if you think about it, it'd be unrealistic to expect a kid or a teenager to have 
a life that's different than that. But when you start to have these spiritual awakenings, if you've got all your ducks in a row, and things, spiritual ducks I'm talking about, and things start to open up, then you, you actually have light. The light of heaven flows into your mind. If you think about it non-spatially, you know, the earthly mind is down here. It's pretty distanced from what heaven is like. You just think about this kind of stuff we care about when we're really superficial. It's very different than the core of love and wisdom that is heaven. But when you have this spiritual mind open, think of it like, like a little door that allows the light of heaven to flow in because the spiritual is the intermediary between the heavenly and where we are here. And actually, the earthly mind kind of blooms when that happens. This is from Apocalypse Explained 406. The earthly level of our mind is what is opened up and developed first. And this will give you a sense of what do we mean when we say opening the mind. Because generally, if you think, I'm going to have to open your mind, you're thinking about you're getting some kind of surgery that's dangerous. But this is what he means by opening. Because it is in closest contact with the world. So, oh yeah, so he doesn't really explain it there, so I will. Opened up by knowledge, by learning. Right? As we gather facts and develop the ability to be rational, just on a physical level, that is what opens that mind. The spiritual level of our mind is opened up and developed afterwards. When our spiritual, or afterward, when our spiritual mind is opened, the light of heaven flows through it into our earthly mind and enlightens it. Do you ever wonder why we use that term, enlightenment? There is actually spiritual light coming in, which causes it to become spiritual and earthly at the same time. Oh, so it's not like about ditching the earthly mind. It's about bringing it to life. Because you think you go have your spiritual awakening, you're still going to have to do the dishes. But now you're going to do it with the love of God in your heart. It is only by means of heavenly light flowing through our spiritual mind that we gain the ability to love truth just because it is true. That is cool. So what's the difference? What's the difference? Swedenborg says it's key to be able to love the truth because it's true. What that means is you're loving what is, what is useful, rather than because it gives you some kind of advantage, but just because it's the right thing. It's just, it's true, and it's the right thing to do. That's what it gives you. And if you're, sorry to pause so long in the middle of a quote, but if you ever feel like, oh, I just don't know if I can summon this altruistic um, motivation in myself, I just feel like I'm, I'm self-centered, that's all I can do, it's because it doesn't come from you. That comes from the light of heaven coming in. So you don't got to worry about it, you just got to open up. This is because the light of heaven coming through the spiritual mind is joined with the warmth of heaven, which is love. There ain't no truth that's really true without the love that it points to. The quality of it can be compared to the light on earth in the springtime. But the light of heaven flowing only through chinks in the earthly mind is a light separated from the warmth of heaven. And the quality of that light can be compared to the light of earth in the wintertime. If we are the most closed-minded person in the world, still heaven is going to give us the ability to be a person, but it's not going to make things grow. We can see from this that a person whose spiritual mind is opened is like a garden or a paradise, and that a person whose spiritual mind is not yet opened is like a deserted place or like land covered with snow. And I like that. In case you're ever feeling like you're a land covered with snow, just think about the potential there, that you know if you go back into your garden, or some, into some kind of field, and it's covered in snow and nothing's growing, you don't at all despair and say, it's, it's never coming back. Oh, what a waste. What a useless piece of land. You know that stuff is coming back up. You know it's waiting there under the ground. So it is with you. The spiritual light that flows in is why you experience. Now we're getting to our categories. This is why we experience that happiness and the peace and transcendence 
that come in a spiritual awakening. That is the light coming in and bringing us to life. That's those feelings of happiness are coming out of heaven. Spiritual light comes from, and in particular, not just heaven, but it's the thing that ties all the signs of a spiritual awakening together. What do they all have in common? The divine human. So the divine human, Swedenborg says, is the key that spiritual awakening is actually a moving closer of God to us. All the signs that you find in all those categories, all those spiritual awakenings, are side effects of an increased presence of the Lord. And Swedenborg says, the Lord is this divine human who is love and wisdom, and he's also Jesus Christ, (laughs) which to some people, you would say, yes, Jesus, I, I love Jesus. I already think that Jesus is really great, and I, I, now I can tie this in with that. Other people may have concerns because they may associate Jesus with a particular religious tradition and exclusivity, but actually the, the Jesus Swedenborg talks about is actually encompasses all of that. This is true Christianity 719. The Lord, which is a term he uses for Jesus, is omnipresent in heaven and in hell and also in the world. Therefore, he was equally present with the evil and with the good. With the good, the regenerated though, he is present both generally and personally. The Lord is in them and they are in the Lord. And where the Lord is, there is heaven as well. In fact, heaven constitutes the body of the Lord. Therefore, being in his body is the same as being in heaven. And that's a heaven that can be available to all of us, no matter what our religion or even state of life is. This idea of the presence of the Lord is kind of an interesting thing to me. I have wondered a lot, if you have an omnipresent being, everywhere present, everywhere the same, wouldn't that mean that you could never sense that because there would be no difference here than there is there? And yet experientially, Doesn't it seem like sometimes we're in a better mood than we are at other times, or sometimes you even feel sort of a holy presence or something like that? And I realize it's like the analogy of the sun and the earth. The sun is always doing exactly the same thing. It hasn't gone anywhere. But on earth, we can experience such wildly different states of how dark or distant or cold or hot blazing the sun seems to us. And so I realized by studying what Swedenborg was saying about this, that A, it is absolutely possible to experience the presence of the Lord, and B, you can experience more of it at one moment than another. From one moment to another, you can be quite distant or very present. So this is something that we're all capable of experiencing. This is something that we can grow into. And Swedenborg says that at first, you can even be unaware that that's what you're experiencing. But I invite you to pay attention to what you're experiencing and ask yourself, oh, could this be the presence of the Lord? What, what does that feel like exactly? Because we can become better and better at it and even become connoisseurs of it. Turning up the contrast. This is the classic bait and switch because the first section... We were saying, I was saying, look, spiritual awakenings are great. It's beautiful and there's sunshine and there's rainbows in your mind. But now I'm saying, when we look at the outcome or impact of a spiritual awakening, there is thunder. You have very different environments. You got, sure, you got the spiritual mind opening and that's great, but it's a very different environment than 
the outer natural mind. And what happens when very, two di very different air masses meet? I, I think it makes a storm, right? We have turmoil. So all these signs of a spiritual awakening are related to this increased presence of the Lord through the spiritual mind opening in us. Spiritual mind goes open, Lord comes in. One outcome is that this increased presence of the Lord leads to greater contrast between the good parts in us, the God-like, the, the nice, friendly parts of us, and the evil, self-centered, materialistic aspects to our personality. There are these two different parts, and they don't necessarily get along. The evil gets kicked up when this happens because it chemically opposes the Lord, and now the Lord, goodness and truth, is in there. So we have this goodness and truth flowing in through the spiritual mind. It's interacting with the evil and falsity that is mixed in to the very different environment of the earthly level of our mind. Swedenborg describes it like this. We take goodness itself, which flows in from the Lord, and turn it into evil. <laughs> no offense. It's just what we do, which we're good, we're good at. That is why the evil in the other life move as far away as they can from heaven. When heaven draws near them, that is when goodness and truth exert a stronger influence. They hurl themselves forcefully in the opposite direction, into evil and falsity. If anyone told you people get condemned and sent to hell when they don't want to go there, what hell is, is this re total rejection of love and truth. So when, you, when it comes up, you say, ah, I don't, I don't want to be anywhere near that. I want to be where I, with what I love, which is evil and falsity. To the extent that evil and falsity increase in them, they push truth away and subject themselves to devastation. And whatever happens on a large scale in the spiritual world happens on a small scale in our mind. The same thing, the, the negative stuff in our mind does not want to hang out and party with this new good stuff. So when the spiritual mind opens, it leads to this struggle between the now opened higher and lower parts of our mind. Swedenborg talked about this in Divine Love and Wisdom. The spiritual mind acts on the earthly mind from above or from within, and it moves aside the things there that are reactive and adapts to its purposes the things that are cooperative. So if you, if you can't work with me, you, you can be there, you just got to go to the sides. But hey, who wants, to, who wants a job? What stuff in the earthly mind wants to be part of this new spiritual regime? So it gradually eliminates any overpowering resistance. When the earthly mind is acting on the basis of the delights it loves and the fascinations of its thinking, which are intrinsically evil and false, the ego mind doesn't know anything. Then the reaction of the earthly mind moves aside whatever comes from the spiritual mind and blocks the doors against its entry. So if we have negative stuff in the first place, the whole mind is going to skew superficial and materialistic and hateful. However, if the spiritual mind is open, then the action and reaction of the earthly mind are reversed. The spiritual mind is acting from above or within, and as it does so, it's working through whatever in the earthly mind is amenable. When you're trying to wipe your files and make you someone new, we just want to take your stuff, reorganize it so that the, all the good stuff you have, all the stuff that you ha have in there that's compatible can act for this greater good. Then it reverses the spiral characteristic of the action and reaction of the earthly mind. So the whole flow is different and better. There's these opposing loves that are active within our outer and lower self and our inner self. And as the spiritual mind opens, we become more aware of just how bad it is, just how much the junk in the outer self, not all this junk, but the junk that's there is absolutely opposed to what, what's love and truth at its core, to, to what is good, to what is really human, what we want to be. 
So it seems like, oh, are we worse? It's just because now we can, we can <laughs> smell ourselves. But not all of ourselves, but there's parts of it. But the spiritual mind can overcome the resistance of the earthly mind, as we read. And actually, that's good news for all parts of the mind. Because when the spiritual mind comes to be in control, we get peace. When we are focused on the earthly level and not yet on the spiritual level, there arise earthly emotions or various longings springing from self-centeredness and materialism, which cause various kinds of turbulence in the lower mind. In this state, the Lord seems to be absent, and this apparent absence is meant by the phrase, the Lord was asleep. But when we come out of that earthly state into a spiritual state, that turbulence stops and we have peace of mind. The stormy commotion of our earthly self is calmed by the Lord when our spiritual mind is opened and the Lord flows through it into our earthly mind. This whole clash between the inner and outer parts of the mind, between good and evil or positivity and negativity, this is what leads to some of our categories of signs of a spiritual awakening. The change in behaviors when people have a spiritual awakening, they don't just go back to their life usually. They want to quit their job or get new friends or change the way they eat or live. That comes out of this clash. And so do the negative aspects of these spiritual experiences. But it's also what leads to us getting new loves and desires. So as we go through this process, as the loves of self and of the world, as Swedenborg would call them, are resisted, then we are given something new to, to pine after in their place. This is, the spirit, this is a spiritual law, that when evil is removed, good fills its place. Good wants to be everywhere. They just got evil in the way. So if we, we remove the evil desires and cravings, then we receive this new love, these new desires. This is actually depicted by a very strange story in the Bible. You want to talk about weird Bible stuff? In Daniel's vision, there's these four beasts that come up out of the sea. Have you heard this? The first one was like a lion, but it had eagle's wings, and the wings get torn away. That's the evil desires, or the rationalizations of the evil desires, how we permit them in ourselves. Then it's made to stand on the ground with feet like a human being, and it's given a heart of a human being, which is the new loves and the rational ideas with divine origin flowing into their place. So why this bizarre story about a beast that gets some Frankenstein human parts put on it? It's you. It's us. We are the beast. And it's going from being a beast to being a human being, which is what spiritual awakening is. I smoked cigarettes for a little over seven years. I started when I was 13, and then I finally quit when I was 21. My quitting coincided with what I can only call a spiritual awakening. I just had this hunger for reading spiritual literature, especially Swedenborg's books. And I wasn't just reading for fun, I was taking the teachings to heart, and it led me to really examine my behaviors. I became determined to stop smoking, with the intention that I wanted to take as good care of my body as possible, to have it be as healthy as possible, to better serve my spirit. And smoking is just a physical habit, but it became for me a container or reflection of the inner spiritual transformation that was happening. There were months when I thought I would never be able to quit. I was such a slave to it. And I experienced this dissonance of not wanting it on one level, but being just absolutely obsessed with it on another level. 
So by contrast, you can imagine how amazing it was for me to reach a point in my struggle when my desire vanished. I went from loving how cigarettes smelled to being entirely neutral about it and eventually really not enjoying it at all. And as I was liberated from the desire for smoking, my interests began to shift as well. And it was the beginning of a long process of discovering what I really love. And that journey is one that continues today. Developing an angel mind. So the last sign category, heightened perception, this is a symptom of us becoming angels. Our mind gradually takes on more and more of the qualities of an angel's mind because we have this increased, increased presence of the Lord. What is a, the missing ingredient between a person and an angel? It's just more of the Lord in there. An angel is a person with the Lord, you know, shining out through. In this quote that we're about to read about it, Swedenborg uses the name Jehovah. And that's intentional because this particular name of God is used to mean God's essence of divine love. So this is what he says about it in Seekers of Heaven. The more the attributes of the outer self unite with the heavenly qualities of the inner self, the more perception grows and deepens. So that them get together leads to this new outlook on life. Union with heavenly qualities yields perception. This is because the heavenly heavenly attributes of love for Jehovah contain the actual living energy of the inner self. To put the same thing another way, the heavenly attributes of love, or in other words, heavenly love itself, contain Jehovah's presence. Isn't that cool? That, That has God in it. His presence is not perceived in the outer self until union is achieved. All perception comes from union. So there's some aspects of this that are particularly reflected in the signs of this category. I mean, there's an increase in the sense of depth of emotion. And this is because there are levels of emotion that are related to these different levels of the mind. It's not all just cognitive. In Secrets of Heaven 994, Swedenborg says that the body never experiences any kind of pleasure unless the pleasure springs from some deeper emotion that also sustains it. And no deeper emotion ever exists unless it comes from one still deeper that holds within it a use and a purpose. Did you ever think of layers of nesting layers of emotion? Like there's that structure on our feelings. These layers of emotion that go deeper and deeper all the way to our inmost reaches are not something we sense while we're living in the body. Deeper elements first reveal themselves in the next life and they do so sequentially as the Lord lifts us up towards heaven. Inner emotions with their satisfactions, reveal themselves in the world of spirits. Emotions yet deeper with their delights. Just think about human experience going up these levels. How how happy can you actually get? With their delights appear in the heaven of angelic spirits. And emotions yet deeper again with their blessings reveal themselves in the heaven of angels. These things unfold in order this way and disclose themselves to our awareness in the other world. But while we live in the body, since our whole focus and concentration is on bodily concerns, makes sense, this is the matrix we have to move around in, deeper elements are essentially put to sleep, being overwhelmed by those concerns. Still, the thoughtful individual, and that's you out there, can see that our pleasures all reflect the layered depths of our emotional responses and derive their whole existence and character from them. So as we go through these spiritual awakenings, we are literally waking up some of those inner levels of the mind. Maybe we're not there all the way to the deepest heavenly level, but even the stuff he talked about at the outermost, the world of spirits, that's a huge upgrade in the heart and mind. So 
I'm not saying it's impossible in this world. It's just uncommon. So opening our angel mind gives us the potential for this deeper awareness of emotion, which would be a cool way to see the world. So going hand in hand with an increased sensitivity to emotion is increased intuition. If you want more on the ins and outs of developing angelic perception, see our show, How to Find True Intuition. Meaning in the natural world or being drawn to nature, this is correspondences. Swedenborg has this great assertion that everything out there in the natural world is teaching you, is a, is a text of revelation. We go into this in our show, How Earth Reveals God's Love, and having a universal outlook. We did a show called The Heaven Project, which talks about that. We also did a, a little short clip called What Heaven Feels Like. Also, synchronicity. Does God control good luck? That will give you some thoughts on what's really pulling the lever here. How is divine providence managing the details? So these are all aspects of the heightened perception that we get when we become angels. Like this is a brand new package of uh, human experience, which can begin to happen now when we're alive in this world, because we're all meant to become angels. So might as well get started on that journey. Last summer, I kept some monarch butterfly caterpillars safe in an enclosure so I could watch the transformation process up close. And I was amazed at how when the time was right, the caterpillar hung upside down and shed its outermost rough skin and the general green goo that had been inside the caterpillar became this membrane that was the chrysalis. And within the chrysalis over the next couple of weeks, within that green goo, somehow this amazingly complex butterfly was forming. And at the very end of the chrysalis period, that outer membrane of the chrysalis became transparent and I could see clearly this intricate, beautiful, colorful butterfly. When the butterfly finally emerged, I couldn't believe it had fit in that chrysalis because it spread out and it was so expansive and now it could fly. And I was reading in Swedenborg's book, Divine Love and Wisdom, about the transformation of our minds during a spiritual awakening. And I realized, wow, watching that butterfly process, I was watching a picture of the transformation of our minds. Because Swedenborg said that this earthly level of our mind becomes a membrane holding within it the deeper levels. And if we go through spiritual awakening, meaning allowing the Lord to wake up those inner levels of our minds, then gradually our outer layer, the earthly mind, becomes enlightened from within, just like that membrane became transparent at the end of the chrysalis period. And then finally, when we shed our physical layer altogether and enter the afterlife, we will find that we are so much more expansive and complex and beautiful than we realized when we were in the confines of, of, of physical life. So it really is a beautiful story shown in the transformation of the butterfly of how we are transformed. So what did we learn today? Uh, essentially, a spiritual awakening is when the spiritual mind opens. And this leads to coming down from above an increased presence of the Lord. And heaven's, another way to say increased presence of the Lord, is the light of heaven coming in. So heaven's light brings with it the peace and the happiness, and there's struggle between these higher and lower levels of our minds, which leads to us wanting to change our behaviors, which leads to hopefully the spiritual mind gaining control. And then when we have this new 
uh, this new program, this new navigation system, then we have these new desires that come in in place of the old ones as we live the life where we push out the old stuff, bring in the new stuff, and that's us, that is us evolving into our angel state. And because we're becoming more and more of an angel, you get this heightened perception, which has a lot of varieties to it. You're more emotional, intuitive, so on, so on. So how do we act on this information we just got here today? So main thing it does is it informs our experience. You may be doing the spiritual awakening thing, but not even realizing it, or maybe you did go through a period where you felt like it was some kind of spiritual awakening, and hopefully this helped make sense of it. This gives us a framework for understanding those changes, just like you try to learn about how, what, what goes on in your body to understand it as it changes. Like, for example, when you get old, everything stops working, as I've been learning. We can lean into this knowledge of the spiritual side of it, and that helps us, you know, deal with it when things come. We roll with those waves. But also you can support other people when they're trying to tell you about their spiritual experiences or, or their change in life priorities. It helps you to understand what's going on with them. We can be advocates for others' well-being when they're undergoing spiritual changes, when we all are, because it can be pretty intense. And hopefully, too, you realize that spiritual doesn't just mean out there or out-of-body experience. It has to do with what you love. It has to do with what your motivations are. So all of us, even people who just think they're grappling with, with the morality of life, this can be spiritual work. So that's good news because it's got to be, if there's a spiritual awakening, it's got to be something that everybody can participate in. So get out there and, and let's put the work in because think about what it would be like if the world was full of angels. And the only way we get the world to be full of angels is each one of us waking up, letting the spiritual mind start to drive and, and just shining that light of heaven out wherever we go. So looking forward to uh, you shining out into the world this week. I'll talk to you later. Off the Left Eye is Curtis Childs, director, producer, and host. Karen Childs, writer, community manager, and host. Chelsea Odner, writer, production manager, and host. And Jonathan Rose, host and series editor of the NCE. Shada Sullivan is the voice you love in our narrations. Stuart Farmer is our technical director. Matthew Childs, our video art director. Our motion designers are Meng Jong and Jesse Johnson. Reed McArdle made our music. Devin Osblond is our production intern. Cara Dom is our Latin consultant extraordinaire, and Chris Dunn is our digital marketing magician. And you are our much-loved listener. And now you can journey with us all week. Every Monday's Swedenborg and Life episode, including this one, has a week's worth of content lined up to support you in your exploration of these life-changing ideas. All video content premieres at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time on the Off the Left Eye YouTube, Facebook, and Simplecast channels. On Tuesdays, find us on social media or go to offthelefteye.com to get custom downloadable art paired with the week's topic to ground you through the week. On Wednesdays, join us to dig a little deeper into the week's topic with news from heaven. On Thursdays, we want to hear from you. We'll be sharing a new reflection question weekly on our community tab and social media channels. Then join us for Swedenborg Live on Fridays for our panel Q&A show. And listen every Sunday to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to always know what we're up to and what you can look forward to. If you want to help sustain Off the Left Eye's operations, consider becoming a monthly donor today. And right now, we have a matching gift challenge from a very generous donor couple where dollar for dollar up to $10,000 will be matched when you make a new or increased monthly donation. You can provide a direct gift or restrict it to our new Off the Left Eye endowment fund. Giving to the endowment fund is a great way to guarantee that your gifts live on to help Off the Left Eye forever. 
Go to otle.cosvox.com to become part of our essential community of donors. From all of us here at Off the Left Eye, we thank you.